Welcome to Slate's I Have to Ask. I'm Isaac Chotner. My guest today is A.O. Scott, a chief film critic at The New York Times. His recent book was called Better Living Through Criticism, How to Think About Art, Pleasure, Beauty, and Truth. Now that 2017 has ended, I wanted to have him on the podcast to discuss the year in culture, how being a movie critic has changed in the age of Rotten Tomatoes, and how to think about movies in the post-Harvey Weinstein age. A.O. Scott joins me now from our studio in New York City. Tony, hi. Hey, Isaac. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I was looking over your top 10 list of movies, and uh, I don't see any huge things to give you shit about, so we can talk about something <laughs> well, that more makes serious. You different, you're different from all of my Twitter followers who are who are uh, very upset with me about, about one thing and another. Uh, what's... What's been the biggest thing that you've gotten? gotten well, there, there's for? there's a there's a a very um, passionate uh, um, kind of uh, contingent in favor of Dunkirk, who think that that Dunkirk was uh, was was the great uh, work of cinema of 2017. And I didn't even say anything bad about Dunkirk, although I don't particularly like it. Uh, but I just um, neglected, as they put it, or forgot, or omitted. Um, to put it on my list. And uh, someone on Twitter today said that really undermined my credibility as a critic. Mm, that's, uh, that's an interesting argument from that from that. <laughs> as if it person. could be undermined further. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to have that person on the podcast. I was actually going to make the joke before you started talking that uh, the thing I liked best about your top 10 list was it, it did not include Dunkirk, <laughs> which I thought was terrible. And I want to force someone who saw it and claims to like it to tell me what was going on in various scenes because I honestly had no idea. Yeah, I mean, I I I didn't mind that so much. I just thought it was so it was so empty and and in common with the other Dunkirk movie of of the year, Darkest Hour, what was falling back on the most sentimental nationalistic idea of what it is to be English. And I thought, really, this is where this is where we are in 2017. You know, we're all just like stiff up, up stiff upper lips and and strong cups of tea. Um, I, I it's amazing there was more to it. The country has changed. Our country has changed so much in so many ways, and it, it feels like this. There's a version of Anglophilia which uh, will never, never be extinguished, like the will of the British people. I suppose I should add. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's uh, let's move on from from your top ten list to some other things, which is that um, I would imagine this year has been an interesting year to review movies, in part because the biggest story out of Hollywood by far has been the Harvey Weinstein story and the. Um, the chain of events that's followed from it. And so I was just wondering, as a, as a movie critic, someone who writes about movies, but not really about the industry so much, although you do you do a little bit write, write about trends in the industry, what that's been like following the story for you, and if you think your perspective on it is is different because you write so much about movies, just, just your thoughts about it, and then I can get into more specifics. Yeah, well, it's it's been very complicated, uh, just just in in the way that you talk about. It. Because on 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 the one hand, um, you know, as as a movie critic, my job is to to see movies and and kind of um, figure out my opinion of them and 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 share that opinion. And that seemed, um, it, in many ways, this year um, a, a particularly irrelevant uh, undertaking. <laughs> Um, first, you know, just because of the of the sort of political upheaval that that this country is in the middle of, that was was distracting everyone's attention from movies all the time, and then um, because this whole moment, whatever we're calling it, you know, the reckoning or hashtag Me Too or uh, as I like to to think of it, the 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 moral collapse of my own gender. Um, it happened um, and started with Harvey Weinstein. It's moved well beyond Hollywood now, but. It, it's gotten me thinking a lot about writing about 
um, the products of an intensely male-dominated industry um, that is is built in a lot of different ways in terms of what happens behind the scenes, but also what we see on screen um, on the exploitation and particularly the sexual exploitation of women. And and a lot that I've sort of taken for granted or not thought about about um, about say the gender politics of, of of American movies, I've 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 had to really kind of um, uh, try to rethink and 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 I feel like uh, for for a lot of us, male and female, who who and critics and and fans, we're at we're at an early stage uh, in this rethinking process. Have you had the experience of of sitting in a movie this year um, where while you're watching the film, your your thoughts about what's been going on in Hollywood and with Weinstein and the way films are made has, has kind of taken you out of the movie or made you think differently about something you're watching, or I suppose after you got out of the movie, is there, is there any specific experience of that? What I have noticed is that, that, um, the, the, the tiredness of a lot of, uh, movie storytelling, um, which comes from the the circling around the the same themes of uh, basically kind of um, male angst and self pity and identity crisis, um, which is something you see in in superhero movies, in uh, action movies, in cop movies, in all kinds of movies. Um, I I just felt the, the the weight of that fatigue increased a lot uh, in 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 the wake of. Um, of, of of the Weinstein revelations, I had already started to get tired of it, um, and, and I have to say, you know, one reason that I that I really liked uh, Wonder Woman was because it 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 felt like, and and that I think the the some of the recent um, Star Wars movies have felt sort of um, fresher and more exciting is because they're they're trying to to shake out of that uh, of that kind of um, genre cage. But uh, there were movies, I think that. Um, might have played a little better uh, in previous years that just seemed kind of not getting it um, in this one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, it's interesting that you said uh, w- in your previous answer you were talking about, you know, the degree to which we're we're sort of aware that these thing these products that we're looking at are affected by the dynamics, the personal dynamics, or the the gender dynamics, or the in you know um that going on behind the scenes because i think i think for a lot of people maybe especially for men you know when you're for for everybody when you're typing on an you know a, your iCloud or whatever it is you have some sense that this was made in china and there are questionable things here but i think we tend to see movies as kind of these pure visions of artistic freedom you know of artistic whatever or we see them as you know studios make these these products but we don't see them i think we don't see them as something that are really implicated by gender politics, which I think has been, in a way, the most um, enlightening aspect for some of us of the of the revelations. Well, I think that's right, and I, and I think across the board in in um, 
many, many industries, um, not only in Hollywood, but certainly, uh, you know, in, in, in our own media industry as well. Um, one of the things that's become very clear or newly clear or that, that um, men in particular have had to have to sort of uh, wake up and realize is, is that um, this issue of, of sexual harassment, sexual assault, assault um, you know, uh, bad behavior on the part of men um, is in a way fundamentally a labor issue, an issue of situation in the workplace, of women trying to um, – to do their work, to get ahead professionally, to to um, to realize their own ambitions, and being um, discouraged, blocked, thwarted, compromised, or or, or just completely um, demoralized by the way that they're being treated by men, and I think you see that particularly in Hollywood, which is which is so male dominated, but which also doesn't have uh, really a. a a responsible corporate structure. I mean, that is the, the the studios are parts of large corporations, but movies tend to be made on an ad hoc basis. There's a deal that's put together by producers, by agents, by financers, by by the 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 the, the director and and various other interested parties. And <clears throat> this deal is put together, um, you know, through through a series of of meetings um, at film festivals in hotels that that allows for a lot of this kind of stuff to happen and um and the people who are running it who are in charge of it are 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 men and and function you know with with almost no accountability you know i mean you just look at at weinstein and and miramax and then the weinstein company um and you know there there, there was no hr department there was no one to complain to there 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 was there was absolutely no one um who any woman could go to um, and say, "Hey, look, this is um, something's got to be done about this. This is this is this is unacceptable." Um, and that was true in a lot of other cases uh, in 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 Hollywood as well. I want to ask, you know, just we were talking about the degree to which this affects the way we view the view movies. Um, there there have been a number of articles. One of them was written by Amanda Hess in the New York Times, your newspaper. And she sort of talks about, I think the piece is called something like how the myth of artistic genius excuses the abuse of women. And one thing that the piece kind of touches on is that it's um, that basically we I mean, I don't want to simplify her argument, but that we need to look at art through the prism of how it is made and, um, you know, having a different opinion of a work of art. Uh, knowing how it was made and who the artists were behind it, that it's okay to to think about the the art differently. And uh, obviously, this is a longstanding debate that's been going on for for decades about you know different forms of behavior. And and I was just wondering about <clears throat> beyond what you said, if if you if you find yourself sympathetic to that, if you find yourself you know reappraising Woody Allen or reappraising Chinatown, the Roman Polanski, the great Roman Polanski movie, um, things like that. I, I think that I mean I, I, I really um liked that piece a lot because I, I think it made a very posed a very strong challenge to um what have been kind of uh critical uh shibboleths for, for a very long time. The idea that, that you, you must separate the art or that you can separate the art from the artist, um or that your aesthetic enjoyment of something um functions independent of your your uh, moral or ethical or or or, or other values, and w- one of the things that that struck me most that 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 Amanda said um, 
in that piece is whether or not you can separate the art from the artist. The question might be, can you separate the artist from the industry? Because I think that grounds it again in in questions of working conditions. You know that that it's it's not just that in the case of Harvey Weinstein, who I'm not sure anyone would call an artistic genius. Um, certainly a market, a brilliant marketer and 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 packager and um, talent spotter uh, and and yeah and 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 talent spotter and 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 he sort of knew how to find an audience um, <clears throat> for certain kinds of movies that 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 other people couldn't quite get out um, into the marketplace as well, but. You know, he he. There there is a lot of work um, that women artists were prevented from doing, um, and a lot of a lot of art that we don't that we've in a way been um, denied uh, because of the demoralizing effect of all of this um, sexual harassment. So that's something to keep in mind. As well, as to the question of how you judge the work of particular artists who are who are known to have done um, <clears throat> or suspected to have done bad things uh, in 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 their private life, that that's a very hard one, and I I still don't I don't do not have a programmatic answer about that. I, I feel like everybody, um, critics or 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 fans or whatever. Um, figures out where to draw their their own line and how to deal with 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 every case. I mean, in in the case of Woody Allen, that's been a particular um, a particularly hard one for me because a lot like a lot of people my age, a lot of guys my age, let's say, um, I I kind of grew up on Woody Allen. I I you know he he he's probably one of the three or four most important cultural influences in in my life. You know, I, I saw uh, Annie Hall when it came out when I was like, you know, 11 or 12, and I saw it um, again and again. And I, I had, uh, you know, um, all of his books uh, at my at on my bedside table all the time I was growing up. And, and, and I think I have, um, to this point, seen every single one of his Movie, so so you know if 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 it's it's not just sort of thinking you know in in some objective or abstract or detached way what how do I as a critic make um, a judgment about that but 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 how do I as someone um, who who attaches a, a some who has attached some personal value to this person's work how how do I think about that how do I think about the 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 the, the personal implications of that, you know? Um, and, well, it and, seems like I, we... Yeah, go on. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, ahead. I mean, it, it seems like we have... we. It, it seems like it's harder the sort of closer the act is to the present day. Um, I mean, I think, I think it would be hard to tell someone something about Shakespeare that would cause them to stop enjoying Hamlet, you know, that's mm -hmm. something that Shakespeare did in, you know, 1600, 400-plus um, years ago. Or even, I mean, I, I don't think it bothers that many people that Dickens was a horrible person. Um, it just, nobody, I don't think, feels implicated by going right. to see A Christmas Carol or, um, you know, uh, reading A Tale of Two Cities um, in a way that, with a way that, you know, People do feel by going to see a Woody Allen movie, and that could be in part because he's – or a Roman Polanski movie, you know, in part because he's being accepted by players in the industry, in part because you're giving him your money. I mean, there are, there are practical reasons for it, but um, it does seem that our – our emotional or subjective experience of watching a movie is is implicated or reading a book is implicated the closer that person is to us in time. Well, and also I think especially when 
the 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 content of that person's work is in a way um so intimate and 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 plays on these very issues so that you know you 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 cannot watch wonder wheel um woody allen's um just completely terrible in every way <laughs> quite apart from the the morality um new movie without thinking about it. i mean it 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 sometimes seems like he's he's not you know that th- that he's kind of um trolling his his most loyal fans because people who would say well you have to separate you know you you can't um talk about uh his his relationship with Sunyi or the allegations about um his molestation of 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 Dylan and this this movie they have nothing to do with each other but you know this movie is about a a, a guy the Woody Allen um surrogate who we've always learned to 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 think about these characters as in these movies who's played oddly enough by Justin Timberlake um he you know uh starts um starts up an affair with his his current lover's stepdaughter so like well huh <laughs> coincidence um but i i think when seems seems on the up and up you know yeah it's it's just an idea that 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 someone could have but if you have someone like woody allen or like louis ck who has who has um involved a certain amount of of self-revelation in their work and has kind of invited you into their head into their neurosis into their libido into the the messed up places in their mind and you've kind of lived in there with them and and enjoyed it um and seen something that you might have in common with it i mean i i certainly was a huge fan of of louis ck's cable show and felt you know as a as a sort of um middle-aged um not in the best shape kind of thinning hairline uh white guy living in new york that it was speaking to me in a lot of ways so now what am i supposed to do you know and th- and there there's there's a there's a feeling of of betrayal and and of of also of implication of complicity and i think it's very important especially for for male critics and male fans to like to stay with that not immediately just to 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 say this has nothing to do with me that guy's gross um i'm a good guy um you might need to think about why the grossness appealed to you in certain ways well so then answer your own question <laughs> well i i i mean i i think there's there is a a, a rush to um kind of disown a lot of these guys to make them disappear um and i think that that is is certainly warranted morally in a lot of ways but i think it lets other people off the hook i think in 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 the case for example of um of television and 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 movies um there's a lot of i think uh brand protection and corporate PR that 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 goes on. So it's like, you know, Matt Lauer paid him $28 million a year or whatever it was for 20 years, and he was the greatest guy, and he was the face of our network on, on morning television. And now it's like, oh, Matt, who? We didn't uh, know nothing. Uh, that uh, that guy? Never heard of him. And, and, and that is just seems to me a blatant act of um, just corporate uh, ass covering. And... Um, so I think that that can be kind of a problem. How how quickly companies and organizations and institutions divest themselves of these bad guys without acknowledging or taking a- accountability for how they supported and enabled and empowered these guys for so long. I think the the other problem is that um, it's very convenient for those of us um, who haven't done 
these terrible things, um, to let ourselves completely off the hook, to not to not look at the ways that 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 you know whatever you want to call it patriarchy, misogyny, um, a system of male power, an old boys network has um, has helped us out, has enabled us, um, has propped us up. And the way that, that these bad guys have um, given us the luxury of thinking, you know, of, of ourselves as, as, as nice guys and, and of, of blinding ourselves to aspects maybe of our own um, behavior, or our own thinking that while they're certainly, you know, nowhere near the, the, the aggressive um, physical or verbal um, abuse that these guys trafficked in, nonetheless is part of the same problem. Um, no, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting answer. I mean, I, I so the point yeah. is, it's like, it's, you know, the, the, the slogan was, 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 was not all men, you know, um, about, about a year or so ago, but, but what I would want to say to that is, well, but actually maybe all men and let's, let's, you know, let's, let's not rush to exonerate ourselves. Right. I mean, the, the, the problem with the not all men thing, I mean, among other things, was just this uh, – whether an individual man deserves to be exonerated or not, it's, it's not like individual men who were not doing bad things were being accused, really, of doing bad things. And so to refocus – I mean, this is what Matt right. Damon said recently and got into a lot of understandable <laughs> – right trouble for, which is basically saying, hey, come on, why aren't we talking about all these guys who aren't harassing and raping women? You know, what about them? And it's like, give me a break. Right. Why Why aren't New York Times investigative reporters, um, you know, uh, exposing all the men who have never harassed women? Yeah. This is and, Don Rumsfeld saying in like 2006, why aren't, uh, why aren't the New York Times and the Washington Post writing about all the car bombs that aren't going off in Baghdad? You know, <laughs> there right. are all these cars right. that are not exploding and the media won't cover them. Um, yeah. We, we can move on to other stuff. I, I think it's it's also the other thing that I think is hard to wrestle with is that, you know, if we're watching Louis C.K. now or Kevin Spacey or something, our subjective experience is going to be different. And I think that's OK. That's understandable. That's that's how people interact with art in um, personal ways. Uh, but I also think that it's um, I, I, I would not want to say to anyone who had an experience of watching Chinatown of like, I can't watch this movie knowing that this guy raped a 13 year old. Um, that's a totally understandable reaction. I also don't want to feel like we can't recognize that Chinatown is a great movie or a tale of two cities is a great book because the person behind them is a monstrous person in many ways. And so it's a, it's a really, it's a really, it's a really hard line. But I think, I think the point that you said about the, the, at the very least to recognize the structural things that go into making this art is an absolutely necessary, um, condition for even starting the conversation i i think so and i i mean i think you you, you put it very well i mean you, you 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 can't you know sort of um deny anyone's um discomfort or 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 rejection of 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 of, of the work on these grounds but um there 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 also needs to be room to 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 experience it and 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 to appreciate it and and actually think that the 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 sort of the long term aggregate work of of cultural processing um, of, of which criticism is a part um, does that you know I I I, th I think that that and and taste change and values change and work is constantly being reevaluated um, and you know um, rejected or neglected and then rediscovered and that just that that in a way. Um, we don't have to worry about that too much. That that 
process will happen in ways that we can't predict or or, or control. And in a way, what we need to think about now is our own um, our our own ethical standards and our own values and how those relate um, to the art that we that we that we experience that we appreciate that we love. Um, I wanted to ask you a little about Rotten Tomatoes to go to a lighter topic, uh, or maybe not a lighter topic. You're a movie critic, so maybe this is. Uh, but um, uh, a bunch of people have kind of gone after Rotten Tomatoes in different ways. Um, movie studios clearly do not like it and try to game their scores because even for blockbuster movies now, it seems like a disastrous Rotten Tomatoes score can really hurt a movie's box office. And Martin Scorsese had gone after Rotten Tomatoes for kind of being the death of film criticism. And um, I mean, I guess my take, which I might as well just offer now and you can respond to, is that I find Rotten Tomatoes very helpful. I um, I always thought the silliest thing about, you know, when I was growing up in the Bay Area, essentially we only saw what was in the New- San Francisco Chronicle and the New York Times. And so those were the only two things you could read. And if they got, if, if you know, if they gave good reviews to a bad movie or bad reviews to a good movie, until, you know, much later, you kind of had no idea what was actually good. And I think, I actually think, I'm going on too long here, but I think the reason that I actually like Rotten Tomatoes is that it's made me read movie reviews, not for is this movie good or bad? Because frankly, who cares that much whether one person thinks it's good or bad? But I want to read an interesting critic engage with an interesting piece of art or even a not interesting piece of art um, in an interesting way. And so... That would be my take that, you know, it's actually it's actually a way of being able to enjoy criticism for something other than the thumbs up, thumbs down factor. But I'm curious where where you come in. Well, I, I it's it's funny because I I um, I mean, I've had very mixed feelings about about Rotten Tomatoes because I don't I don't I don't love the idea of 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 um, of quantification um, and of of aggregation of my, um, you know, exquisitely personal uh um, opinion expressed in in my absolutely unique prose, and I feel like everyone should just be be you know um, be reading that. But but at the same time, I, I I think that that it 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 is useful, and that it that it um, far from being the death of of criticism, actually just is is another way that the that the critical work that the critical function is being performed because the important thing is when people go to to rotten tomatoes um what they're looking for is some kind of independent evaluation of a movie they're looking for something that is not bought and paid for studio publicity and that is why the 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 studios hate it for the same reason that they hate critics because Anything that they can't control, anything that 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 escapes from their um, efforts to 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 pre-sell um, these movies, especially the 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 big movies, the big blockbuster movies, to to create a, a kind of a sense of inevitability that you're going to go see this movie um, and it's going to be awesome, um, or if it's not, it's too late because we have your money anyway because um, we're we're geared toward the toward the toward the first weekends of opening. Um, I think they're very threatened by uh, a, a high profile um, and widely used bank of independent opinion about the product that they're they're selling. And I think that that's why they're against it, because I think they, they had reached a point where individual critics had been pretty well neutralized. That is, you know, um, there, there was no way that 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 an individual reviewer in in the New York Times or the New Yorker or or Slate or on TV or wherever 
Thanks for um, throwing was be Slade to, in there. To, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, the the first piece I ever wrote about movies was was written for Slate. So I I have uh, you know. It, there's it, a, there's a, a quid a, quid pro quo you coming on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. I always always got to plug it, but. Um, but but you know the 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 marketing departments of the studios and the and their publicity apparatus had had done i th- i think we're pretty satisfied with their ability to to marginalize to to neutralize um individual critics but all of a sudden the, this this thing comes along that had that had been there for a while but that seems to be um having an impact that seems to be affecting consumer behavior um and uh, you know, that's why they freaked out. And, and that's why, they, you know, they started saying things like, well, we're not, you know, we're not making movies for the critics. We're making them for the fans, um, which is, I always think, you know, one of the one of the funniest things that uh, the studio executives ever say. But um, well, I, do, I mean, don't you also think I mean, I, my experience with Rotten Tomatoes and maybe I'm being too bullish on this is that um, I think it, it's finally putting a little bit of pressure on studios about the quality of the blockbusters they make, which is not to say that blockbusters that get bad reviews and are crap movies can't make money, because obviously we know they can. (laughs) But it does seem like some of these things, I'm speaking specifically of the Justice League superhero movies, it does seem like they have been slightly impacted by just this overwhelming sense, largely through Rotten Tomatoes, that these movies are garbage. Everyone knows they're garbage. Mm-hmm. And even if they make $800 million worldwide, that's less than they need to make a large profit. And 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 you do get the sense of, I mean, I'm not a superhero movie fan, but it does seem that, you know, um, rewarding Marvel and not rewarding Justice League, um, I would like to reward none of them, but I, it, there's a certain right. logic there because one one company seems to be or one one franchise seems to be working harder to make quality movies, and that's reflected in in the scores. I, I I think I think that's right, and and I think I mean Rotten Tomatoes is also interesting because it is it is a a, a site where 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 both pro- professional and and lay opinion um, mingles, and 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 there's 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 certainly interesting, um, you know, information that can be that can be gleaned from it, um, and it's fascinating to me how this this is something that that I've just started to notice this year, um, where I actually got uh, an, an an email from someone at Rotten Tomatoes um, who said uh, your review of X movie I won't say what it was um, we classified it as rotten and the studio pushed back on that and said, no, 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 it was fresh. Huh. Um, <laughs> and the, the the studio publishers were like, you know, quoting parts of it saying, no, you, you have to count this as 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 fresh. Um, and we, very conscientiously, I, I thought the, the, the Rotten Tomatoes people, um, you know, kind of went went to the source and asked me and I said, you know, indeed, it's rotten. Thanks for asking. Um but I, I think this this that I'm not sure that was you know a a, a, a one time deal. Um, I, I I would be interesting um, you know for for uh, for someone to dig into this a little bit and see how because but but what that indicated to me is is clearly um, this distributor was taking the Rotten Tomatoes score seriously um, such that they were willing to you know to use some of their their time uh, to um, to try to get. A, a a review, you know, reclassified, and I think what what's the threshold of of fresh seventy? So, 
you know, it's like going back to your professor and saying, no, really, give me a D. I deserve a D. Right. Yeah. That 68% score. Um, do you feel like, especially in the last year, this is something I'm someone who reads a lot of movie reviews just because I like film. And I, I feel like, um, and I'm not trying to say this in like a get off my lawn old man type way, but um, I feel like especially since the election, um, politics has come into more film reviews. And I, I don't know that um, that's I'm not I'm not trying to judge that as a good thing or a bad thing, but I feel Sometimes when I'm reading reviews of a movie that has um, uh, my politics, let's say liberal politics, um, that critics are much more kind to it than they would have been a couple years ago. I was wondering if you had the same sense reading reviews and uh, if you felt that that sort of pressure yourself, not pressure from The New York Times, obviously, but sort of internal pressure right. given the world we're living in. Well, I mean, I, I, I think politics has been an impossible subject to to avoid um, this this year it just it it has seemed to in, in more than 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 i can remember at, at any previous time in my life to just to 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 um to infiltrate every 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 corner um of experience even to the extent that you know sometimes you'll go to to see a movie or you'll go to a museum or you'll or you'll have a conversation and afterwards you'll say wow you know i didn't i didn't think about donald trump for 2 hours right like even then you know even in that in that negative way um so that like i i, I was uh the the other night um re-seeing one of my favorite movies of the, of the year the phantom thread um Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie, which one of the glorious things about it, one of the th reasons I think that so many critics are loving it so much is that it has nothing to like, you just can't put it in that box. It's just about all of this other stuff um, that has nothing to do with, with American politics in 2017 that you kind of maybe just forgot anyone could make movies about. So th there is, I think there are a few things going on. I mean, one, one is that um, in, in, uh, at newspapers and 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 magazines and and in the media in general, um, the 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 politics um, and 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 the Trump administration has has dominated everything. That that in a way, um, you almost feel like a pressure to stay relevant. Like if I'm if I'm going to say anything that anyone's going to going to listen to, it has to somehow um, engage what everybody is thinking about. Anyway, but but I think also, you know. People have there 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 is a real feeling that um, critics have, but I think that we feel like we share with our readers, whatever their political views of, um, of anxiety, of confusion, of uncertainty, of a sense that we are living in this intensely polarized country, where even one of the things that kind of used to 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 be a little bit of common ground which is to say you know movies there, there i was sort of had this idea that well you know we pray in different churches or synagogues or mosques we vote for different people we have different values and 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 ideologies and live in different regions but a lot of us go to the same movies and and find something you know um have at least a a a, a common space of, of experience and that and that is no longer certain. I mean, every, everything 
um, has seemed to be infected by this 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 polarization and this politicization. It's, so it's, yeah. I I think when 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 I'm writing a review, I mean, I it it just like I try to figure out what to do with that. You know, what what to do with that that feeling um, in a way that isn't just going to be the 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 sort of the 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 regurgitation of my own political views, which are not particularly interesting to me, let alone to anyone else. Um, someone said this, it wasn't me, so I'm stealing someone's idea, but I don't remember who said it, that, you know, if you think back over Saturday Night Live, that 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, all of the, you know, the number of the skits that were about politics was actually tiny. And now it's a huge percentage. And it's certainly all the content that goes viral. And and it's... um. I was sort of shocked. Um, I haven't seen the new Star Wars movie, but I was shocked by how much of the con- how much of the conversation about it online was about the politics of it, um, which just um, you know, and whether it's a metaphor for Trump or I'm not exactly sure what, since I haven't seen the movie. But I, it's um, it it uh, it's pretty sh- shocking when you when you sort of. And and I don't I don't sort of begrudge people this because given the world we're living in, I I want people to be politically active and to be thinking politically. And I don't I'm not saying that this is necessarily a bad thing in this particular circumstance. Although for a society, it's probably a bad thing that so many things are political. But it's it's really striking when you step back and think 15 years ago. Even it it does feel that that everything is politicized in a different way. It certainly does. And and it's interesting with movies because most movies are not – movies take a long time to make. So um, a lot of the movies that we've seen in 2017 um, were not made right. uh, um, in, 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 the, in the months um, since the 2016 election. Um, there are some exceptions. Spielberg's The, 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 the Post was, was, was shot um, after the inauguration and I think that certainly shows that, that – um, movie is is you know even though it takes my place. god the trailer does certainly does yeah no that 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 movie has 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 a lot you know to to say very um very overtly and i and i think quite intelligently to to our moment but but there there's a way with with, with other movies that you know um you just kind of you 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 sort of make that association. I mean, they, they become these kind of Rorschach blots where whatever their political intentions might have been or whatever the, the context in which they were conceived and made was, you just bring your own um, anxieties and frustrations um, to them and, and sort of project them onto the screen. And I, I think I think a lot of that um, is happening. And I, and I think it is interesting sometimes to think about how movies that are not overtly or obviously political um speak to the politics of the moment it's uh it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast and uh thank you so much we uh, look forward to uh, reading all your film reviews over the holidays which i know you uh have to get cracking on yes thank you isaac this was a lot of fun and that's our show for today i have to ask is produced by audrey dilling our theme music was composed by doug chase if you have an idea for a guest or you just want to let me know your thoughts, email me at ask at slate.com. That's ask at slate.com. 